We are in for a treat tonight. We are kicking off this conference right. We have the honor of having Miss Naomi Thomas with us this evening. Naomi, and now you've seen her wonderful husband, Jay Thomas, are on the International House of Prayer Kansas City Executive Management Team. They are full-time directors of the nonprofit organization called Song of Hope, which exists to take both the word of God and the song of the Lord to both the church and to those who are incarcerated. Her passions include songwriting traveling the globe, teaching and preaching the word, and creative writing. She is an author of the children's book series, The Thankables, and has written an interactive online devotional for women called 1039 Coalition, Women Around the World. She is an acclaimed author, worship leader, and a mother of three beautiful children. And I heard you got a grandbaby. Oh, grandbaby. Give it up for the grandmamas in the building. <laughs> She resides in Kansas City, and we get the honor of having her here tonight. So everybody on your feet, let's go ahead and honor and bless Naomi Thomas, who is bringing the word tonight. Amen. Sit down. <laughs> Good evening. Okay, since we're doing the giveaway thing, um, who's a single mom? Single mom. This one's for you. Um, I wrote two children's books, which, anyway, this one's for you. I'll, I'll explain that in a second. And then who has kids ages five and up? Okay, you back there. Black shirt, hand still raised. There you go. So um, the, the characters are called the Thankables, and they, yes, they look like mice, but um, they actually came out of this really weird season in my life where I struggled with depression a tremendous amount, and... Um, one night, I, not fully believing even that God spoke to people, although the thought of that now seems somewhat silly, considering if somebody lives in you, it would be somewhat cruel for them not to talk to you. But at that time, I just, I wasn't in that space. And so um, I was living in a basement. I was a single mom myself, <clears throat> not really um, doing a really good job. Do you mind handing me my water I left on the floor? Thank you. And um, I, uh, I woke up from a dream. And in the dream, there were these three little creatures with large features, and they'd walked into the room, and they'd opened up the door. They put their hands on their hips, and they said, oh, thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what I did, too. And so I thought that was really ridiculous because, A, I was sober, so I was not the drugs. Um, why anybody would dream in cartoons is beside me, but... That was, that was it. And I woke up that morning, I went upstairs in the house where I was staying at, and I said to this lady at the table, I said, I just had the weirdest dream last night. And overnight, uh, a couple had come in to stay with them. And as I was sharing the, 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 the dream, I said, I think I need to write a children's book about Thanksgiving. And so the girl across the table from me said, oh, that's really cool, I'm an illustrator. I said, well, great. Let's sit down and talk. So that's kind of how the Thankables came about. Well, as the years went on, as I was looking into gratitude, I have an older brother who loves the word, and he kind of poked at me about something, and he brought up the point that, well, let me skip that for a second. As the years went on, I realized that I wanted to do 40 days of Thanksgiving, where I just started practicing every day being grateful, which was a lot more of a stretch than I thought it would be. And all I could think of was clean sheets and clean water. Okay, that's kind of how disgruntled I was as a person. And so as I went through that motion, over the years, I started this little thing called war on grumbling, 
So 40 days of Thanksgiving, the first 40 days before Thanksgiving in the United States. So if you're watching, you're not in the United States. It's the last Thursday of the month. Anyway, 40 days. So one day I was with my brother and he kind of poked at me and he said, hey, I like this whole Thanksgiving thing you're doing, but there's way more to it. And so um, I started diving into the word and um, I ended up in the book of Leviticus. And so there's a, an image, if the guys can put it up, I spend the summer looking at the book of Leviticus, and if you don't have it, it's not a big deal, but it's called Giving Thanks Through Leviticus, um, Gathering as an Act of Worship. And so I wrote nine devotions, and the reason I like this devotion and I mention is because Rebecca actually did a bunch of the artwork on the inside of it, and what we ended up doing was it's uh, eight, nine weeks of devotions, and we have recipes that are included, and then she made cards, or we, we took the artwork and turned them into cards, so you can print them out, fold a card, and invite somebody over, but the essence of it is, is that gratitude in the book of Leviticus is actually something that you did that had benefits not only for yourself, but also for your community, and so as we're gathering together as women, um, we changed the face of hosting. I want to challenge you um, to pick that up. So it's not available here. It's right now only a PDF on the website. Um, so I wanted to mention that as well. And then um, there's a last one, which is called Advent, the promise or God our promise. And this one is really dear to me. We, have, we do a prison ministry. And this past Christmas, I thought, I really want to give the inmates something, and it's a maximum men's security is where I mostly go. I don't know why it's the men's facility where I ended up, but they're my brothers, and I love them. I, I love them. They are, my bro they are our brothers. And for those who are not yet, I am committed to sharing the gospel with them. Last Sunday, I went in, and I got to run my own chapel, and I got stuck in a room with one inmate, and for a second, I thought, well, this will be cute. And then I instantly felt the presence of the Lord, and I knew how much I was loved, and I knew that I was not alone. And he walked up to me, and he said, I've been hearing about you. The men keep telling me, you talk about Jesus real good. And my heart was moved because the gospel is being shared throughout, throughout the prisons. And so my husband and I, we get to go to about 300 different prisons throughout the, the United States, and the doors have just opened up. And we go in, and I barely play the guitar, but I'll grab the 10 songs that I know, and I just sing it and then share the gospel. And they're like fish jumping into the net. So for Christmas, I wanted to give them something, and I can't bring cookies in, and so I decided I would write an advent. And there were seven-day seven devotions about the promise that God made in Genesis 3. And then there's seven days of Jesus, our promise, who has come. There's seven days about the promised Holy Spirit. And then seven days on the promise of his return. So that's another one that for somebody who's a new believer, I think that's something that might really encourage them and get them along the way. And then lastly, this is my dear friend Rebecca, as I mentioned. Um, Love your art, and her art will be available for those of you who want to bid on it or want to know more, it'll be available afterwards. So let's get started. Lord, thank you. Father, we love you. You are good, and your love is everlasting. You're kind. You're tender. You're good. You're wise. You're always available. And Lord, we speak into the atmosphere against the lie 
against every thought which exalts itself above the name of Christ, your son, who is seated at your right hand, majestic, beautiful, splendor, glory, all might and power and wisdom and thanksgiving belong to this man, to this human in resurrected form, the one who is so acquainted with us as humans in our weakness. You understand what it is like and therefore you have given us yourself. Thank you for doing this. Father, my prayer tonight is that hearts would be forever encouraged to pick up the cross, the cross of Christ, and to follow after with great joy that we would become women who look beyond the scope of what we see, women who experience beyond the measures of how we are treated, women who love because it is our good pleasure because we have been loved. Father, I'm asking that it wouldn't be just a gathering of excitement and all of the good stuff that we like to do, but I'm asking for our hearts to be rooted and grounded in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 21. <clears throat> Actually, let's look at verse 20. I have 36 minutes. Are you kidding me? Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Sorry, chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. Verse 21. For you were called to this. What were we called to? What is the this? It's bad news, people. You're not gonna like me before this thing's over. Or better yet, you might not like him. For, for you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. There is a changing landscape of the preaching of the gospel. And the changing landscape is evolving message that has very little to do with the cross of Christ. There is a changing of a message that has very little to do with picking up our cross on a daily basis and following up after him. And what we've done is we have willingly replaced it with the message for success, with the message of promotion, with the message of influence, with the message of visibility. And not that any of those things in and of themselves are evil, but if they are not done with the pursuit of following wholeheartedly after Christ, we have a problem. And Houston, we have a problem. Right now, the body of Christ is in need, like never before, of women who regain an understanding that the sufferings and injustices, however small or large we have endured, have a purpose in the heart of God. And the purpose in the heart of God is, has been, and forever will be so that Christ might be formed in us. Christ to be formed in us. In its place, the message of success 
and growth, empowerment, ascend, platform. Oh my goodness, that word influence, it drives me insane. (laughs) They're all the themes within our circle. Hebrews chapter 10, 38, it says, but my righteousness, or my righteous ones, they shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will have no pleasure in him. We are called to be women of the gospel, women of the word. And part of the reason why we do not engage ourselves in that space is because we have left the preaching of the word up to the person on the stage, the sage who gives it to us, and we are unwilling, like the children of Israel in Exodus 19, to stand before the one who trembles and to consume the word for ourselves. And it's causing us a great amount of pain. The truth is this, many of us in this room, there are some, I will say, there are some in this room who have experienced tremendous injustice and oppression. I will not take that away from you and I will not deny that. But many of us in this room, our problem is not that we have experienced it, is that we have consumed so much of the story that has come down the line that we have appropriated it and made it our own story. We're carrying offenses that are not ours. We're carrying stories that are not ours. And we're reading the annals of heaven and we're shouting out and crying for liberty when liberty is found in a crucified Christ. The Lord has a controversy with women. The controversy is this, am I not enough? Is he not enough? Or are we really needing in this hour for men to affirm us? Is it not the voice of the father who affirms the son before he goes into the wilderness and says to him, you are my son? Or did we forget that with the affirmation of the father was followed a season of wilderness where the son was tempted in every manner? Jesus is gentle. Jesus is meek. Jesus is also human. And in his humanity, he understands every single one of our plights. He understands hunger. He's acquainted with thirst. He's acquainted very dearly with sorrow. And the narrative that we have shared with one another that unless you've walked in my shoes and you are a woman, you do not know. The truth is, suffering is an equal opportunity employer. It's male or female. And Christ exemplifies. But Christ not only exemplifies the sorrow, Christ also exemplifies for us how to endure that sorrow. And the affirmation, that voice of the Father was sufficient to sustain him. And the only way that we will return to understanding and hearing and possessing and and acquiring and believing and renewing our minds is through the reading of his word and ingesting this thing all day long. He continues to speak and he's willing that we would hear and yet we're willing that others would speak for us. We're more content that somebody interpret the scriptures for us 
and we leave being a theologian to others when in reality we are all theologians. We are all students of God. It just depends on what God you are serving. Is it the God of self or is it the crucified Christ? And I always, I, I don't know how I got into women's ministry. That's always been a little, it makes me nervous because I never got along with women, which is, the Lord was kind to let me do men's prison ministry. I didn't, but I just felt like we, we would always shoot ourselves in the foot. And then we would blame the other ones on the other end. And again, I will be honest, there are things that have been done that are not kind, that are not helpful, that are genuinely painful. But as she said so eloquently, there really is a treasure in the bed of suffering. And we have to be willing in this season to embrace that. Several years ago, I had this, again, the dream thing is just weird to me still till this day, but I'm, I'm starting to believe it because I'm watching it unfold. Um, and I'll give you the short end of it, but the dream was uh, about Judges 5 and 6. And then the dream, I knew that the Lord was saying in the days of Barak that, that Deborah arose, a mother of Israel. And I woke up and I said, I wonder if this Barack Obama guy will be elected. And if he does, it'll be the hour for women to rise in their positions of leadership. But they will mistake in it and they will assume it's about making their voices heard before men when really it's about making their voices heard before God. And they would forget that the place of leadership had to do primarily with coming not to serve, rather not to be served, but to serve. There is nothing wrong with us and we don't need to be fixed in our femininity. What we need to do is embrace the voice of the Father who says to us, you are my daughters and in you I am well pleased. The most empowering, the most affirming voice that we could ever hear is that of a father, the father. He loves you, he loves me, he loves us. One of the things I love so much about Jesus is his humility. It's how well he has exemplified for us, how well he walks out his gentleness before us. As I was praying in here earlier, I just felt him saying, I am gentle. I am human, I am meek, I am Christ. And he is for us in this way. The affirmation of his voice is essential for us. Are you finding yourselves in the word in a renewed way where it is washing your mind, where the person of Christ is that all sufficiency, where he is those bookends, not only of history, but all of humankind in existence, that he would do the thing that nobody would ever want to do, which is to leave the lap of wealth and glory and honor and wisdom and power and descend and empty himself into mere mortal, into humanity. The one who had no beauty whatsoever, and yet the psalmists speak of him and they say, oh my goodness, I wanna gaze at your beauty all of the days of my life. This is the very one who not only has life, but he is life. And if he is the one who is life and has life, then who else should be the one to define life? 
the one in whom we have our origin, the originator of all things, then why do we find ourselves continually drinking from broken cisterns? To find our identity and to understand the very one who created our DNA with the express purpose of reflecting him. All of creation is awaiting for you and I to step into that understanding of what it means to be fully alive. To be alive. In him was that light, and that light was the very life of men. And here we are, earthen vessels, just jars of clay, indwelled by God Almighty. And we insist on living out of our own strength when in reality, we want to be living out of our own weakness so that the strength of the one who affirms us might come forth. That we would experience his love and make it possible to then love one another. It's time to rehear the voice of the Father. It is time to again identify and define our lives experience our pain through the eyes of the one who works all things out. He works all things out. This is the season where verses that we've quoted for years actually are coming into play. In the midst of your suffering and uncertainty and pain and injustice and feeling overlooked and oppressed, you cannot cage a lion and the gospel cannot be bound. You are not in need of the affirmation of men. What you are of and what you have already received is that affirming voice, again I say it, of the Father. Have you heard his voice? Have you heard his voice? Is the word opening to you? When you sit and you look at it, is it renewing your mind? Is it challenging your paradigms? Are you looking at the landscape in our nation and are you letting it define the seasons or are you remembering that he is the one who controls the seasons? Or let's bring it home. Are we looking at our bank accounts and determining God's faithfulness on the basis of what is or on the faithfulness on the basis of what he has done by hanging for us on the cross? Is that love not more than sufficient? And we have to, we have to be willing to ask ourselves those questions. And I'm afraid that what we've done is we hide away from answering those questions or even asking those questions and we use the fig leaves as they did in the garden and we blame it on others. Who is determining and defining for you your truth? Who is determining and defining for you your voice? I love Jesus because in his humanity, he comes not only to purchase ours back, but he leaves us with a visible example of what it means to be human and how therefore to live. I know the conference is, uh, it's called Affirmed Elevate, am I correct? 
and released. What is the elevation that the world wants to give you? But it's so contrary to the elevation of Christ. His elevation is go lower. And that's so hard. I'll give you an example. I get on the flight, I'm walking in to sit down, and you know when you know somebody's kind of has a bit of an attitude and they're purposely taking longer just to prove a point that they're ahead of you. And so I'm sitting there going, listen, it is 6.45 in the morning. And I'm going, oh my God, you said to go lower. You said to go lower. It's not just on a global landscape. It's in your day to day. It's at the checkout counter. It's in traffic. We would catch those compromises and he would catch for us the foxes, the small deceptions that each one of us is in this room guilty of and that we tend to call hurt, not sin. We tend to call it disappointment and not rage. Discouragement and not embitterment. I want to be in a company of the Psalm 68, 11 women. Great is the host of women who preach the good news, who declare a good news. But we cannot be women who preach, declare, or live and exemplify the good news without the affirming voice of the Father and without descending into elevation. And that it would be sufficient that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Realities that we consider to be ethereal. Realities that we consider to be lesser. Realities that we set aside for a moment because, yeah, but what about mine? And then when you look at the scriptures and you look at the apostles who were stoned for the sake of preaching the gospel, Paul being left as dead, and then he stands up and he says, it's but a momentary light affliction and it's working in me an eternal weight of glory. Is this treasure that we not carry inside of us not worth all of the so-called or true oppression that we experience? Is he not worth it? Can he not take the pains in our lives and actually turn it into a beautiful diamond? Everybody wants to be the diamond. Nobody wants the pressure. It's like everybody wants to be Daniel, but nobody wants to be taken into captivity. There are only certain things that are formed under pressure. I will not let a human being define me. I tried it, I am done. I appreciate the accolades, I appreciate the support. But Christ looked at the crowd and he said he did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. And for me, it's because I know what's in my heart. You know what's in your heart. 
And yet the one all-sufficient God, he looks at us, he looks at you with desire and love and knowing fully what is in your heart, he still calls out the things that are not as if they already are. And that is the voice through which we are called to live. Our elevation is not before man. This platform does nothing for me. I have to go home and I still have to homeschool. I still have to love my husband. I still have to ask for forgiveness when I cross the line. And on account of this, this is the greater problem. See, we continue to live as those who do not move past the elementary truths of the gospel. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we are covered under the blood, but there's so much more. And that more is the more that Christ exemplified for the very reason why he came, to seek that which was lost. In Luke chapter 2, 49, he says, why were you looking for me at a young age? Don't you know that I'm about my father's business? And most of us are not about our father's business. We are about our own business. About our own concerns, about our own fears. And so in our own fears, we create silos where we isolate ourselves because my corner of four is struggling. I don't have time for yours. When in reality, if we're all weak, we lean together. It provides a strong structure, that there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel, that there's strength when you come together and you carry what? One another's burdens. Why? Because he is the burden-bearing God. And what pains is that the world is left without the example of mercy and kindness because we are devoid of sharing it with one another. And we are devoid of sharing it with one another because till this day, we are not convinced of that affirming voice. And we resist the cross. The devil will allow you to study every subject under the sun, even those that are good. But the instant you look at the crucified Christ, and you embrace suffering, watch what happens. When you stand in the shower and you say, it is well with my soul. When you're able to look at the ones who actually have hurt you and you are able to actually bless them. Philippians chapter four, so disturbing. <laughs> so many verses that just disturb me. The apostle Paul, he says, I don't need the gift. I don't need your gift. But it's actually to your credit. And that in that instant, he's writing and he's actually urging them, not for his sake. How many of us urge others to love us and to bless us for their own sake? Is it not for our sake? Are we not about our pleasure, our safety, our good, our benefit? Me, 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 I, I, I. And yet in Philippians, he also says, consider one another. In what way? Consider another more significant than yourself. Is our first thought when we wake up in the morning, me 
or is it others? And let that other first be Christ. The Lord has a controversy with us. There are women who have gone before us whose lives were crushed, and yet the fruit that they delivered, the fragrance can still be smelled nowadays. And then there are those of us who have not even touched but an ounce of that sorrow. What are we doing? What are we doing to our daughters? Are we teaching them the strength of Christ in a woman? The dignity of Christ in a woman? The beauty of Christ in a woman? The perseverance that Christ forms in a woman? Or are we teaching them to be victims? to make demands, to be dependent, to be fearful, to live bound by anxiety? Are we teaching them to get on their knees and to talk to God? Christ's elevation, Philippians 2. I want to read this to you. It says, verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself. That is our elevation. That is our elevation. The enemy will let my voice ring in your ears. What he will not do is let God's voice ring in your ears. He will let your husband's voice or your sister's voice or your dad's voice or the media voice, but he will not allow God's voice to ring. When Jesus goes into the wilderness, that very first challenge that he gets is, are you the son of God. We are being challenged on a daily basis, whether you are conscious of it or not. Every single one of your current mind constraints goes back to this. Who do you say that I am? And who do I say you are? Jesus' question is still the same for us. Who do you say that I am? And your question to him should still be, who do you say that I am? Every one of our anxieties, the suicide rate in this nation is through the roof. The church is meant to be that answer. But we will have nothing to offer if we don't shut the door. Get right with one another, get right with Christ. 
And you wage the war to tear down every vain thought which exalts itself above that knowledge of who he is and what he says about himself. Meek and gentle and kind and near, humble, acquainted. Father, help us. Father, help us. Do a work in us as women to not despise the place of serving, to embrace it wholeheartedly, that you're near to us. You're near to us. You remember those days and you remember them with gladness. Oh, help us, God. Acts chapter nine, verse 16. It's a verse, another one of those disturbing voices. And he says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, the other day I was thinking about the apostle Paul talking about adding to the afflictions of the body of Christ. What if that's what the Lord is wanting to do in us? That for the sake of the maturity of the bride of Christ, there are afflictions that are to be placed on women. That there are weights and constraints to be put on women. So that when we do step on the other side, it is evident it is not our effort. It's not our charisma. It's not our skill. It's not the number of followers we have. but it's the one we follow. I think about women like Jackie Pullinger who gets off of a boat in 19 in Hong Kong and hasn't looked back 60 years later, living with addicts on the street. I think of women like Corey Ten Boom in the hiding place, hiding Jews. There's a book called Captive in Iran. I wanna encourage you ladies to pick it up, Two Sisters in Iran. And they said something so interesting. They said, it was easier to experience the grace of God in a, in a prison cell in Iran than it was to experience the grace of God in a hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia. What if our greatest trauma is our entitlement? What if that's our problem? It's our desire to define life without having any understanding of how it came about, without having any clear understanding of its purpose. And yet in Christ, we see both its purpose and we see it executed. He is our example. He is our beautiful example. And then released. We're not released to be made known. We are not released for the sake of a platform. We are released to do the will of the Father. That's what we're released to do. And we were talking in the car ride over here about our calling. You know what, our calling is upward. Doesn't matter where you do it. And if it's really important to him, he'll show you the burning bush. You can't miss it. 
But to love God and to love people will keep you busy enough. Become good at loving him. And I'm usually very like high-spirited kind of person. I just feel so sober. And I wanna challenge you in that place where tonight you take off that mindset that it's somebody else's doing and you own the part that you are responsible for. Something so interesting about Jesus when he shows up on the scene to Israel They're oppressed by the Roman government. And he does not come to them and say, I got this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. In this life, you're going to have drama, he said. You're gonna have drama. You're going to have it. If you got saved into it's all going to be better, I am sorry, but you're in it now, so stick it out. (laughs) I used to tell people all the time, just come to him and he'll just make everything better. I didn't know, I was drunk, I didn't know. (laughs) I I did what I knew, it counted in some ways. (laughs) It actually got worse. Let's take off those lenses that have been given to us by the high dev screen. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, we now, dimly as in a mirror, are beholding the glory and are being transformed into the very image that we behold. We're staring into high dev screens and we're hoping that we will be transformed into our favorite influencer. And he's going, I've got another screen for you to look into. And in that transformation, when it takes place, in that space, that's where we offer to him the love that he gives. And the love that he gives, we give to others. There is a community of people, whether they're incarcerated or in our churches or in our neighborhoods, who have need of a kindness that the world has never seen or offered. No longer nuanced, but firm with truth and integrity, but it's patient and it's kind and it's gentle but many of us have a need to be re-engaged with the Jesus who is kind, who is meek, who is gentle, and who is kind. And we're wrestling up against him to alleviate us from pains that he has set in place with this particular purpose, to form himself. I wanna ask you tonight, I'm not sure what you came to experience, but would you be willing to lay down all of your expectations for it to look a certain way? The Apostle Paul said that he has learned how to be content. We are struggling with being content. We are a nation of people, yea, women, who have been oversaturated by options. 
I remember a day when my husband and I were uh, at odds, I'll put it that way, and I laid in my bed, I was so angry, I was so angry at the Lord, I wanted out. And I said, Lord, I wish I was dead. And he said, you already are. And I couldn't help but laugh, because who else says stuff like that but Jesus? Because <laughs> we are crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you and I who live. We're trying to break out of his grip. The safest space where we can be. How wise, how gentle, how good, how noble, how tender, how beautiful is his leadership in our lives. Some of you, you despise where you're at, what you sound like, what your hair looks like, what you look like what your spouse is or is not, what your children have or have not or are or are not. And you look at the landscape and you wish you had that and you think the grass is greener on the other side. It's just AstroTurf. It's not greener anywhere else. And if you just watered your own lawn with the word of God, you would watch it grow. And you would bear much fruit. The message of the gospel is not going to change to accommodate. He will have his way. Jesus is not playing games. He is still about the business of his fathers. He is still about doing that same work. He is still about gathering those who are lost. He is still about the very narrow road. He is still about his way, his thought, his kingdom, his rule. And we are being honored with the invitation to step into it. For those of you who are in countries where it is hard, grace, grace, his grace is sufficient that you would continue to preach the good news unapologetically with the grace of God on your lips, that you would not back down. It is not better in the United States. And we need you to stay the course, stay the course as they add to the sufferings in the body of Christ for the maturity of the body of Christ in that nation, would you today be willing to pick up your cross again? You're weary. He understands. He is there for the weary. You're discouraged. He understands. He is there to encourage. That's why you have Holy Spirit. You feel lonely, uncovered. He is your comforter, and you have a group of sisters to draw near to. Where vulnerability isn't just merely saying, this is where I'm not doing it well. Vulnerability is once you have confessed it, taking upon the grace of God and walking life out, knowing Christ in me, the hope of glory. Are you willing today to take up that cross? Are you willing to leave your disappointment today at the cross? Or do you want to insist on, after you have dropped it off, tying a string to it, walking out of the sanctuary, and having it drag up right behind you? 
You have found comfort in your discomfort. Some of you are afraid of letting go of the pain because that's what's familiar. You're not even bound anymore. He says, whom the son has set free is free indeed. That seeing Christ rightly is true freedom. You actually are free. No longer bound. And if you're in a relationship where you are being abused, get help. If things are not right, get help. If something is wrong and you've prayed about it, address it. But let go of the weight that so easily ensnares you and entangles you and makes us women who are embittered, looking for power and frustrated and finally wanting to get my own so I can be seen and heard. We are seen. We are seen. You're fully known. You're fully loved. Father, I ask in your name that you would drive away unbelief and give us faith. You are the author of faith. You are the author of faith. Increase our faith. If I could have the worship team come up. So now what do we do? The same love that the father has for the son, that same love is the love with which he loves us. How do we now live? We live as women who are loved. We live as women who are valued, who matter. Your elevation today is what you pick up. It's the cross. It's decreasing. We continue to serve. We continue to serve. We don't despise it because in our service, we are like him. We're being like Christ. And there awaits for us a crown of glory. There is a reward. And our release, again, is to love God and to love people. I'm gonna finish with this, Matthew 16, 25 through 26, it says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This was a verse best left for me to read in English. I went to go look it up in the Greek and I wish I had not. But since I know, you will also know and also be responsible. <laughs> the word says, arne o amai, which means to deny. But the word before it is apo, which means to fervently or intensely deny. So not just deny, but intensely deny yourself. 
<laughs> exactly, that's what I said too. I should have left it in English, but now you know. There's a prefix, it means away from. Utterly refusing to recognize the original source involved. Are you ready? Don't answer so quickly, because he'll take you at your word. Utterly refusing to recognize the original source involved. To ignore, to disown, to repudiate. My sincere prayer for tonight is that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering. And that would be us women indwelled with Christ, shining brightly, and that when we're seen, it's Christ who is seen. When we serve, it's Christ who serves. When we're elevated, we are decreasing. When we are loving, it's because we know we are loved. When we speak, it's because the word of God is on our hearts and on our lips. The expression of the gospel would be transformed through women. No longer walking in anger, no longer walking in anxiety and shame, but assured of their value because the Father has spoken. Because the Father has spoken. So I wanna pray for a couple of you, but tonight I wanna honor um, some of the older women in our, in our midst, um, 60 and older, in your 70s. I wanna say thank you for running the race. And I want you to stand up and I wanna pray for you. If you would stand, you can stay where you are. And I want us to extend our hands to them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we need you. We need you. We need you to turn your hearts to us and instruct us on how you have gotten this far. You are not despised. We are thankful for your example. We have been fools in embracing novelty and dismissing wisdom. Forgive us. Forgive us. Teach us. Disciple us. You have walked in being misunderstood. You have walked and being trampled on. You have walked and been dismissed. And you stand. Thank you. My God, I ask you for these women. Lord, I pray that you would crown them tonight with great grace and dignity would be restored to their hearts and mind and remembering how much you love them and that not a day has been wasted. Not a day has been wasted. You have not wasted an hour that the Father and the Son and the Spirit cannot redeem. He has worked all things and will continue to work all things and has always worked all things for the good of the glory of God because you are His. 
and I shut the mouth of the devourer and I shut the mouth of the youth who despise you and look down on you. Lord, forgive us. My God, forgive us for our folly as women. And we celebrate your ways. And we remember that you too are earthen vessels who are possessed with a treasure. We cover our mother's nakedness where they have fallen short. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Some of you are measuring your life on the basis of your adult children. Jesus is a good son. God is a good father. And we are all lousy children. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. You did the best you could with what you had. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Thank you. And for the younger generation, if you're going, I am so lost with everything I see and hear. I'm trying to find myself across the Instagram screen. I've been there. Hello. I'm raising my own hand. I'm about to, anyway, pray for myself. I want you to stand up. If you are in a wrestle and you're in that place of affirmation, you're in that place of needing to be, be affirmed in who you are. I want to pray for you. Please don't be afraid. Father, I ask you for these women. I want to get some of you to come up and pray for them. If we can get some of the older moms, please. Mamas, we need you to come and pray for these young daughters. Come and lay hands on them. Come up, sisters. Just come on up front. If there's not enough room in the aisle, please come up here. We want to minister to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, guys. There's some ladies up here willing to pray for you. Father, I ask you right now that as your voice thundered over your son, that the Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts to believe again what you say about us as women, what you say about us in our humanity, that you love us and your love endures. Father, I ask for grace to silence the voice of the enemy. Father, break in. Lord, break in right now. Holy Spirit, come and restore broken hearts. There's some of you in this room, your marriages, you've checked out. You have checked out. I know what that's like, but you have checked out. And you need to, if you're not comfortable coming up front, you need to go confess it to a sister. You need to go confess it right now. And you need to ask for help and accountability. And the Lord knows your pain. He understands. He's not dismissing it, but he wants to use it to minister to your heart. 
And he wants to use that very pain to minister to others, to shape and to form Jesus alive in you. So come Holy Spirit.